Whoa. <laughs> what is that? Why do we still have to pay for the sins of Adam and Eve? I ain't paying for the sins of Adam and Eve. Jesus paid for the sins of Adam and Eve. Why are we all cursed? I'm free, baby. Who the sun says free is free indeed. <laughs> What's up? A welcome to the Uncomplicated Podcast. What's up? What's up? We're on episode 18. DACOcho, suckers. Yep. Today's rapid fire. We've gotten so many questions that have come in, and we hope to get through as many as we can today. The goal is to help uncomplicate things that feel complicated. We believe that God never intended faith to be complicated, but we're complicated people, so sometimes it feels pretty complicated. Well so, said. Yeah. I'm shuffling these bad boys up. Shuffle you submit the up. questions. We'll we throw a little little Bible in there, throw a little life experience <laughs> in there, and then maybe that'll help you get a little bit closer to uh, uncomplicating these situations yeah. in your life. All God right. loves you. He wants to help you. He wants to guide you. I'm All glad right. that you're here, whether you're a Christian or not. Yep. All right. Pick one of these questions, and let's see what we got here. All right. From the top. For the science nerds, shout out to my peeps. You're a science nerd? I'm just a nerd. Anytime there's a nerd, I'm I'm there with you. Oh, okay. Not so much a science nerd, but a nerd. Um, for the science nerds, is some of evolution true? If you're true? such a science nerd, then uh, what planet does Yoda come from? I didn't say I was a Star Wars nerd. I said I was a science nerd. What's the difference? Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> well, there might not be much help for you with this question, whoever asked it. But for the science nerds, is some of evolution true? Were we apes at some point? All right. It's the evolution question, and I am really tempted to answer this question. But the thing is, is I have a guest lined up for this who's going to come in. So good, And yeah. that's going to be a whole topic It will evolution. be worth the wait. Yeah. So, okay. Sorry. We got to go to the next one. So, here we go. The Enneagram and Christianity question mark. Oh, my gosh. What Did a great question. Did you see how excited I got when yeah. I read this question? Because... By the way, if you know what planet Yoda comes from, put it in the comments. <laughs> um, the Enneagram. Talk if you to think us about Kenobi it. was a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10. Carlos, did you watch Kenobi, bro? That thing was so good. So good, right? So good. Sorry. I'm not part Stay of this focused. combo. Um, back to the Enneagram and Christianity. Yeah, what number are you on the Enneagram? Okay, well, let's talk about what the Enneagram is before we start talking about numbers because I believe... Probably most Why has the Enneagram gotten so popular? Because I feel like... Well, what is the Enneagram? Start there and we can talk about everything else. Let's just start from the beginning. Spiritual formation. All right? So God wants you to become the best version of yourself. Sure. To do that, he's helping you overcome the temptation of the world. Mm -hmm. He's helping you overcome the temptation of your carnal self. And he's helping you overcome the temptation of the enemy. Okay, yeah. so you got these three enemies in your life coming at you, but you have God who's on your side and he's helping you become more like Christ. As you become more like Christ, you're becoming less selfish and more like the best version of yourself. Yeah, there are so many different tools that help you with that. We have a trillion different spiritual gifts, discovery assessments, assessments yes. uh, and then a lot of just uh, stuff in the business marketplace you yeah. know, that, that helps you become a better leader. And so we've done everything from personality profiles to leadership assessments to, you know, everything. Grip, Berkman, the... All of them. The we love them. Strength Finders, <laughs> the DISC, the Myers-Briggs. Yeah. And the Enneagram is one that's just taken off. Yeah. And its roots are in... Dude, how, should we get Matt Brown back on the podcast? I mean, with we could get Tammy. Tammy. Why don't we just have Tammy? 
We've had Matt. Matt's great. We love you, Matt. All but right. Well, maybe we're going to get to this the one. Professional when it comes look forward to, the to a longer version of this answer. But the Enneagram, take a look at it. Favorite Enneagram book? Um, the Road Back to You is phenomenal. Um, there's another one called Two Becoming One that's phenomenal. How about but, Matt Brown's book? Uh, but our favorite, Matt yeah. Brown's book called You. A book you. about you. That yeah, is yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, it will kind of help you. I hate to say it this way, but it kind of is like there's categories one through nine of yeah. personality types, basically. I'm okay. not saying this right. But when you realize kind of like what drives you, mm -hmm. uh, it really helps you kind of see your ego and stuff better. It's great. So I'm such a three thing to I'm, say. I'm, I'm butchering this. <laughs> um, I will say. I shouldn't be talking about I'm not an expert about it. I know. And let me talk about it. Okay. Um, I've read more books probably on the Enneagram than you because I have really. It, it's <laughs> I've read more books on the no, Enneagram No, it's probably the only thing in my life that I've read more about him then because he reads so much. But all to say that like the Enneagram has helped me so much. I feel like grow and identify uh, things that I wasn't comfortable about myself. Like it's, it's read my soul, I feel like, which is very dramatic to say, but it really has felt that way. And it's helped me so much. And I feel like it's helped. Why, do people, not, why do people push back on it though? Why, why, why? I don't really know what, why do they push ah, back it's on controversial. it? Is it? For sure. Yeah. People are like, oh. you shouldn't be using that. We actually used it in a marriage conference, yeah. um, for our church. That was so, Next so Next question. Powerful. Go ahead. Look into it. Figure it out. Yeah. Uh, look into it. It's amazing. You know, and then we're going to have, we're going to have to have Matt back. Yeah. We'll talk about it more. Next question. Here we go. Moving on from toxic friendships and relationships. Maybe the question is how to move on Maybe. or or should I move on from toxic friendships and relationships? All right, who's asking this and what's 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 defined as toxic? Um, who's asking this? Someone that has some toxic relationships what's toxic? in their life. Um I mean, I guess you it, it might be a different different definition depending on your perspective but toxic to me almost sounds harmful like uh unhealthy mm -hmm. harmful potentially dangerous poisonous poisonous dysfunctional yes i, I don't know if i should say dysfunctional because i think all relationships have dysfunction. <laughs> we all have dysfunction in our yeah, life yeah. um but something that's harmful i feel like toxic give me a chemicals are harmful to the body so if you go with that Analogy. Give me a make-believe scenario here of a toxic relationship. Uh, oh, gosh. So there's a guy and a girl, and they're dating. They're dating, and he's trying to figure out if she's the person that he's going to commit his life to. She's trying to figure out if he's the person, mm -hmm. right? That's what dating is. Sure. I was doing. I was actually helping a, a couple recently, mm -hmm. and I, I said, think about this like the interview process. That's what I told them. And I said, you're interviewing her and she's interviewing you. That's the best way to look at it. At dating. Yeah, at yeah. dating. And then, thank you. And then he goes, well, if I'm thinking of my potential employer, and I was like, no, 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 no. That's not what you're interviewing for. You're interviewing for a teammate. Mm. You're trying to find, uh, you're trying to say, is this the kind of person I want to do life with? Yeah. Because after you get married, in the eyes of God, you know, in our Christian worldview, you know, you can search all you want for the one but the moment you marry somebody, they become the one. They are the so, one. So you're interviewing, you're interviewing, you're interviewing, right? And dating is that practice that's like, I'm trying to figure out, you know, bam, you get one, your life comes together. And, uh, you know, during that interview process, you're going to see things about them that you don't like. Sure. You're going to see things that are toxic. Maybe the relationship, maybe, maybe it's like, well, when I'm with her and she's with me, it brings something out of me that I don't like. 
And that's why it's toxic because this person brings this out on me. That thing's in there, dude. <laughs> it's not them. <laughs> yeah, that thing's in there, bro. It's you. Yeah, so let's not blame each other for who makes one another toxic, right? It's in you. So yeah. sometimes when you're dating, you're figuring, you're learning about yourself too. Sure. And so moving on. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, you're moving on from that relationship. Um, it's hard because the Bible doesn't have a lot of talk about dating. Sure. Because dating's not really in the Bible. That's not, that's like. What the, was cultural back then was arranged marriages. And yeah. the parents to this took day, care of all it's that. still that way, especially in Eastern, yeah. you know, culture. But, but, you know, I would go so far as to say how you, how you treat people, that's in the Bible more than anything. Yeah, that's so good. So the way you treat people is the most spiritual thing you do. There's nothing more spiritual than the way you treat someone. Yeah. So moving on, man, you have to do that in a way that still serves them. And, and honors, honors them. them. Yeah. And there's ways to do it. There's ways to break up and get out of that thing in a way that honors them. There's a way for you to have a baby mama in your life and you to be at that birthday party for your kid. And though you really don't like that person because you have so much pain and hurt, yeah. you're able to get along at that party. Your kid's able to have a good birthday, you know? You you're get able to the to place co-parent. where you can co-parent. Exactly. We've seen it. We've seen it. So moving on from relationships and and. and they're toxic. What's your number one advice? I think, like you said, uh, make sure you're still honoring them. And uh, I think just healthy boundaries. Boundaries are in place to keep you safe. So if this toxicness is uh, harmful, um, I think, I don't know. I just, that's good. I, I hope that whoever's asking Clear this boundaries. question isn't in like a domestic violence type situation. Right. Um, that you need some really well, That would probably boundaries. say abusive then. This is just toxic. But sometimes toxic, you know what I mean? I don't know. So so your number one thing is boundaries. My number one thing is don't blame anybody else for the way that you act. Don't blame good. other people for bringing that out of you. you know? That's so good. I think those are two good, good things. Yeah. Next one. All right. Abortion. This is a question we're getting like crazy, and I'm trying to find a good guest, to guest have. speaker for yeah. this. Because so let's spend the whole expert. hour talking about it. Let's get yeah. some medical kind of stuff in there. It's such a good, such a great. Such an important topic. Topic to have right now. Yeah. Great discussion, but. I don't just want to bring biblical and then experience. I want to bring some medical. Yeah, that's good. Conversation. What else? So was stay next? tuned. Pulling away from God during grief. 100%. Grief tends to be one of those things where you either push into God. Yeah. And you get close to him or you run away. Yeah. What is going through the person's mind oftentimes who's running away during a time of grief? I think... Um, when someone tends to run away from God during grief, I think the propensity is to blame God mm -hmm. for whatever has happened that's caused the grief. Understandable. Yeah. Understandable. God, you you let this happen sure. to my loved one. Sure. You, this went down and you saw it, God, mm -hmm. and, and it still happened. Why didn't you stop it? Mm -hmm. And so grief, if you allow it, and if you have the wrong perspective, can make you want to run away from God because you blame him for what's happened. We pastor a church and the church is like 11 years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, back in the day, we used to have these membership meetings where people would uh, decide if they're going to kind of like join our community and, and get more involved. And I remember I met this lady one night and she was there with this um, little girl on her hip and uh, she'd been coming to the church for a while and she was becoming a member and we like to pray with people and get to know them. And um, we found out like a month or a week after, 
you know, within a few weeks after her becoming a member, after we got to know her, uh, she got this horrible news yeah. that her youngest daughter had cancer. Yeah. You take it from there. Yeah. I mean, just the most devastating news that any parent could get that her yeah. little two-year-old, yeah. uh, or maybe she was even one and a half at that time, mm-hmm. um, had this cancer that was common in kids. And we just met this little girl. We just met the mom. Yeah. And, uh, her husband wasn't a Christian. So she was coming by herself to the members meeting. Yep. Coming by herself to church Mm -hmm. and, um, gosh, just went through the most horrific time of her life Mm -hmm. and, uh, went through that cancer journey and it didn't end in the way any of us hoped or prayed it would. Yeah. Um, her little girl passed away at two years old and it was just, I mean, the most gut-wrenching yeah. thing that could happen to any parent. It was weird, though, because I remember being at the children's hospital, mm-hmm. praying with her, yeah, seeing um, her daughter. And, you know, that time of grief, she drew closer to God. Yeah. And sometimes you wonder if people draw closer to God. I, 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 she'd be okay with me sharing this story, yeah. by the way. Um, she wanted to get baptized. Yeah. She wanted to get baptized. And I remember telling her, listen, we'll baptize you because she was having like a prayer time at the beach or something. Yeah, we had a whole prayer moment for her daughter where we had hundreds of people. Cancer community strong. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, Maria was going to baptize her in the ocean that night or something like that. Something beautiful. Candles, praying for her daughter. And then she wanted to also get baptized. And I said, you know, as sensitive as I can, I said, if there's something in you that you want to get baptized, because you think that like God's going to love you more or he's going to do a miracle because of this, or you're getting on, you know, you're doing something for him, 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 you know, like if you're doing this because you want God to answer your prayers or something, you know, I said, you know, and just said this as nicely as possible. It's like, like, remember, that's not what baptism is, you know, and I would be understandable. That's not it. And that's not what, that's what would she say? She's like, no, I want to make this decision and declaration to all my friends and family that are with us on this journey that no matter if my daughter lives or dies, that I'm following Jesus. So crazy. That's baptism. So powerful. That's a follower of Jesus. Yeah. That is a statement. Hey, even if, even if God takes my little girl. Yeah. And you know what the cancer community says very often is heaven needed another angel. Right. Which is not true. We don't believe that God gives children cancer so that they're, the children right. can become angels. That's, that's not in the Bible, right? If God needs another angel, what's he do? He can create one. He can create one. He yeah. doesn't need He doesn't to, need to take children yes. from this earth to make angels. So we got to be careful when we think. I mean, it's a beautiful thing to say on the surface level, but then you sure. get a little lower and you're like, that's a horrible thing to say. Um, so when she said, I'm doing this to show people that I'm with God and he's with me no matter what, I'm just like, Man, that's the kind of faith I want to have. That's real. Yeah. And uh, her husband was not a Christian. Right. And I remember we were having baptism a year later. Um, maybe even two years yeah. later. Yeah. And uh, after his daughter had passed away. And I'm in, I just walked off of the uh, platform there where I, I preached behind the pulpit. And, I, and he texted me. He goes, are we doing this or what? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, I'm going to get baptized. And I couldn't believe it. I walk out there and Matt got in the baptism tank with all of his clothes on and just said, screw it, man. I'm following Jesus. And I was just like, and he's still to this day, like diehard. And he got major persecution from family members and stuff like that. Because think about it. 
anybody else the right. grief they would have pulled away from God. How dare you do this to me? Right. Why, you know, that's the whole thing is like, you took my daughter, you, you know, but he was like something about the grief. He chose to run to God. Yeah. And he's like, God was with me in my darkest hour. Yeah. He's been with me. I mean, chills just thinking about it. You know, that's, that's his relationship with God is strong. His faith is strong. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing is, if you ha you're experiencing grief or loss and you push into God, I think you'll come out with stronger faith than you ever would have without it. And comfort so. that you don't realize can be there. 100%. I think in moments of grief in my own life, yeah. I can look back as like, man, that was probably one of the most devastating times of my life. Yet there's mm -hmm. something, and I know it sounds absolutely absurd to say, but like there was something so sweet because the presence of God was so close mm -hmm. in those times. Like God is with the brokenhearted. He's with you in your suffering if you allow, if you, if you run towards him. And so, yeah. Some people say, why did God allow that to happen mm -hmm. to their family? But I see it as, wow, God brought them into a church weeks before they got the worst news of their life. So they had the right people around them during the hardest season of their life. Yeah. Because their life group, their group of friends at church really carried them through that time. And so, and now, you know, she leads a group and helps other people who are in a similar journey because God doesn't waste pain. Yeah, come on. Come on. So uh, this happened, it's like God saw this coming, and he said, I'm going to put a church around you. Yeah. And so, man, God loves you. And sometimes he doesn't stop bad things from happening. And I don't understand why he doesn't always stop bad things from happening. But that doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Yeah. All right. Next so question. Good. How to overcome depression. We just did an episode on this. A couple weeks ago. Quick recap. Um... <laughs> we did a whole episode to go recap watch it, go quickly. Watch go, watch the, go watch the, yeah, go watch the, the other yeah, episode. Yeah. I'm, all, I'm all worked up from that story about, yeah. I'm like, you're over here with tears in your eyes and I'm still thinking about it. So yeah. we just change gears, just yeah. shift gears <laughs> to the next question. Jeez. If, 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 if you're, if you, if you're, if grief is something that's pulling you away from God right now, I'll just say this, get to a church, get some people around you. God comforts you through two ways. One, through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But two, through people. That's how he comforts us. And so you got to have people around you. You know, you, you can't do life on your own. Yeah. You can get through just about anything in life if you have the right people around you. People will do two things. They'll either pull you away from God or they'll pull you to God. Yeah. The right people, the right relationships change everything. So important. All right. All right. I'll ask the question here. Oh, don't get it wet. Okay, here we go. Astrology, signs, and the Bible. Lots of conflicting info on following stars in the sky. First time I think of this, the Magi. Yeah. All right, so Jesus is born in Bethlehem, and the Bible says that there's a star that travels the sky that these wise men or these Magi are following that leads them to Jesus. And I think the simple way to look at this is, they were looking to the stars for answers and guidance, but even the stars guided them to the answer, who's Jesus. Ooh, that was good. Ooh, is that a mini-sermon? That's a mini-sermon right there. It's easier to look to the stars than That's it is to look Christmas to Jesus. That's a Christmas message right there. People, people <laughs> often don't want to look to Jesus in the church because he's been so misrepresented. Yeah. And so they're like, I'm looking for anywhere else other than Jesus to tell me what to do. I'm looking to the stars. But even the stars led them. That's so Jesus good. says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So, um, 
you have a heavenly father who loves you and created you and he wants you to know him and he wants you to be known by him. And if you're looking to stars or tarot cards or, you know, any of anything, the, else. anything that's spiritual, but it's not the Holy Spirit, um, you're, you're, you're going to get spiritual, but you're not going to get the relationship with God that he wants for you. And so really Jesus makes possible a relationship with God. Why don't you just go straight to Jesus and ask him to guide you? Because he promises if you seek, you'll find. If you knock, he'll open the door. If you ask, he'll answer. So yeah. James says if you draw close to him, he will draw close to you. I mean, there's a lot of promises about seeking God and finding him. So I'm into seeking. I'm into seeking. Um, but, man, you can get hung up on looking at the stars and miss the creator of the stars. Yeah, so, that's good. All right, next question. Is it a sin to be shy or a very quiet person? What an interesting question. That is an interesting question. Is it a sin to be shy? Who I've do never you think is uh, asking this question? I think that somebody who, what was the second part? Or shy or what? Uh, or a very quiet person. Sometimes people are quiet because of their personality. And then sometimes people are just quiet be or shy because of something else sure right you know maybe something happened pain yeah yeah i could think of people in my life who when i first met them they were just you know mm -hmm. and then you get to know them and you're like oh you've been hurt yeah and so you are cautious right and um i would say that if your shyness or your quietness is coming from pain god wants to heal you yeah and that's his plan for you. He wants you to be healed. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to thrive. And uh, sometimes we, we, we avoid the things that will bring healing to our life, like a good small group of friends or sure. being in church. I'm shy, so I just listen to podcasts, but I don't go to church. Mm. Or I'm shy, so I don't go to life group and open up. Nothing wrong with being shy. But Nothing there is something uh, heartbreaking about avoiding getting to know people and being known by people. That's good. And so I, I would just ask yourself that question. Yeah. God made introverts and extroverts. Yeah. <laughs> Are you more of an introvert or an extrovert? I'm more of an extrovert. How about you? Um, you used to be more of an introvert, I think, when we met. I did? You think so? When we first got married. You were wild when we first <laughs> got married. You were just an extra extrovert, and I was an extrovert. So I seem Boy, like an introvert. have we changed. Um. We have three kids, and two of them are extroverts, and one's an introvert, and we love them all. <laughs> yeah. There's no perfect personality. No, no perfect personality. I would say if there's nothing you're avoiding, just embrace who God's made you to be. I think sometimes um, yeah. comparison yeah. can really rob us of the unique way God's made us, yeah. and it, it makes us not celebrate who we are. So just be careful. If you're quiet and shy and you're not avoiding anything, celebrate that. Yeah. Like God's created you the way he's created you. So, yeah. And yeah. people probably think you're really smart. Yeah. <laughs> you probably think more than the rest of us crazy people that just you talk know, a lot. <laughs> sometimes, though, people who are shy, they get a bad rap, and people think they're snobs. Oh, maybe. You know, because they're not, they're not engaging, and so people think that they, they think that they think they're better than them, but they're not. Yeah. So... I would say in personal development, like kind of sometimes shy people can learn to ask questions. So they're not doing all the talking, but they're still contributing. Oh, that's so good. You ask a question and then you don't have to talk so much, but you're listening, but you're engaging. Yeah, that's good. All right. Next. Not that I'm trying to make you not shy. Just saying if you want to grow in that. Oh, we, we did this one. That was another podcast. Um, why do we still have to pay for the sins of Adam and Eve? 
Why are we all cursed forever? Bro, look at that face. Jesus paid it all, sucker. <laughs> you and the sucker. Whoa. What is sucker? Why do we still have to pay for the sins of Adam and Eve? I ain't paying for the sins of Adam and Eve. Jesus paid for the sins of Adam and Eve. Why are we all cursed? I'm free, baby. Who the sun says free is free indeed. Give me a rest of this coffee. All right, there's the next one. You're not cursed, dude. You're born again. You're not cursed. Well, maybe they're not. Talk about salvation for a second. baby. How do I overcome the fear of joining a new church? I am new to faith. Well, first of all, Let's everybody's afraid of joining a new church. Yeah. What is it about going to church that just spooks everybody out? I mean, churches could be, you know, a little intimidating, a little. There's not enough churches out there. There's not enough options. We need more people to start churches up. I'm telling you, because you go to a church and you judge everything. Fair. Our culture, uh-huh. our society is never been more judgy. Yeah. Right, and everything like from the reality TV shows we watch—it's all about judging. The most successful reality shows are judging. Sure. Right? Whether you're judging the person's voice <laughs> by turning your chair around, or you're judging. Sure, but they're talking about fear here. Yeah, but I think people feel judged when they walk into a church. Is what I'm saying. Ah, not that they're judging the church, but that they're being judged yeah, as they yeah, walk yeah, yeah, in. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think my, my friends who have invited to church. They walk in slow motion <laughs> through the lobby. And I'm like, what's wrong, bro? He's like, I thought I was going to get struck by lightning. <laughs> like, So do they feel judged by God or do you think they feel judged yeah. by the people there? Oh, probably both. Mm. There's definitely some churches where people feel judged by the people there. Gotcha. Am I wearing the right thing? Sure. Am I saying the right thing? Do I know the words? So how do I overcome the fear of joining a new church? We always give this advice, I think. Find a church that you want to be part of, right? That you get excited about being part of. There's no perfect churches out there, but you want to be excited about the one that you're committing to. You can church shop, which means find a church that's a good fit for you, but don't church hop. Yeah. So the Bible says that those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. So it's really important to be planted. You can't you can't grow if you're not planted. Be part of the yeah. community. Pick one. Grow roots there, um, but don't church hop. And I think if you but maybe saying, but it's not about overcoming the fear of even getting through the front door. You're like well, talking it says about pig. joining. It doesn't say oh searching. I see what you're saying. A yeah, joining. A yeah, church. that's a big commitment. I thought it was attending a church. No, it says joining. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. gotcha so gotcha. I mean, maybe it's attending, but they use the word joining. So I think, you know, um, if you are a member of my church, I got three expectations for you. Tell us. Okay, if you're part of our church, here it is. Number one, you're going to be with us. Mm-hmm. Don't don't say you're part of the church and not show up because we're a family. We got to see each other, right? And our, everybody's lives are busy, so we need to kind of have this rhythm where we see each other once a week, right? It's a good rhythm. Number two, I'm going to expect you to be a part of a group mm-hmm. on some level because I don't just need you to have friends. I need you to be a friend to the people that need friends. Mm-hmm. And three, I expect you to give on some level because financially what we're doing here is we're changing the city. We're adopting the city, and we have a lot of stuff happening, and we need to pay the electric bill, mm-hmm. right? So I think this is get the expectations out front. When you're committing to joining a church, you're saying, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there for people, and I'm going to give. Yeah. If you're willing to make those three commitments, then you're ready to go. Yeah. You're ready to go. That's really what it is, being a church member. How do you overcome that fear? I think being being clear with that expectations. Yeah. What happens when you follow through? Those are not commitments for the church. Those are commitments for you. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's to help you grow. Totally. Right? It's to help you put other people before yourself and 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 and, and set yourself in a situation for God to be generous through you. And this this those are, those are really for you. Kind of sounds like it's serving the church. Like be here, help us, give money. But man, at the end of the day, it's actually those are those are how we develop. And right. those those small things build our faith in a way that helps you become more like Christ. I remember early in our church years, uh, we like even talked about not having membership mm-hmm. because we were processing like, well, like do, do we, we don't need this as a church, but yeah. then we realized, no, this actually helps people yeah. have a, tra- a trajectory for growth in their own lives. Yeah. So people need to make this commitment yeah. for them. Yeah. So. Like, cause, cause at first, cause I thought about church membership is like, does the church need it? The church right. doesn't need it. Mm-mm. But people need it, yeah. Because we live in a, a a world where everyone's afraid to make commitments, yeah. Right. So everyone's like, "Oh, I'm non-committal. Like, right. I don't want to commit." Right. But then, you know, what happened was there was a young twenty-year-old guy, and he was talking about getting married. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "What small commitments have you made that have built your muscles sure. to be able to make a big commitment like marriage?" And you know, if you're not committed to a church, yeah, where else are you going to learn how to, you know? Yeah. So I would say, you know kind of being real with those expectations and, and why that's important for you. But, um, you, you know, the reason why there's a little bit of fear there is because it takes faith. Totally. Because whenever you make a commitment, you're really saying, I'm saying I'm going to do this, and if I don't do this, I'm, you know, not following through. And so the answer is not to not make commitments. Right. <laughs> the answer is to just grow stronger. Yeah. So. That's good. I'm pr- it says, I'm new to faith. I'm proud of you for wanting to join a church and that's seeing awesome. that that is essential to your growth. You know, there's 40 different directives in the New Testament, one another, love one another, serve one another, greet one another with a holy kiss. Hello. There's, all, <laughs> there's 40 different one another's that you can't even do unless you're part of a church. Yeah. And people act like being a part of a church is like optional. Right. And yeah, come on, dude. So good. Yeah. So I love that. Next really question. Good. Um, how do you know if you're forcing something you believe has, uh, you believe God has placed in your life? I don't know if I understand that question. Yeah, I don't either. How do you know if you are forcing something you believe God placed in your life? My, I'm going to just go ahead and create a scenario here based on this question. Um, My guess is it's a person. Are they forcing a relationship that they feel like God has placed in their life? How do you know if you're forcing something you believe God has placed in your life? I think you're right. Yeah. That sounds like a relationship. (laughs) I'm going to go on a limb there and say it's a relationship question. Um... Yeah, if you're in a relationship with somebody and you feel like you have to force it and you're just dating. Yeah, not good. Get out of that. Yeah. All right, next one. Um, how to protect your kids from what is taught at public school by their teachers. So hard. Well, public school. Yeah. Public school in Kentucky <laughs> or public school <laughs> well, in. And, and let's just, I mean, let's give some context for this question. I your mom's an educator. She's like a principal at a public school. She was. Yeah, she's right. retired. So this uh, hits home for you, right? Because you you believe in public school. I mean, I went to public school my whole life. Yes. Um, I, I went to a number of schools my whole life. <laughs> Homeschool included because they didn't want him in any school. That was the last option. <laughs> you know what? We're just going to have to do this at home because uh, this isn't working out. So I think... This is kind of a loaded question because there is so much that's beneficial at public schools and there's so many amazing teachers. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like um, there, I, I'm a huge public school fan. I went through K through 12 in a public school setting and it was 
a benefit to my life. My guess is that the person asking this, there there's a change in curriculum and yeah. there's different things that well, and I didn't go There's probably talks through. about like gender and yeah. sex ed and stuff like that. And they're like, dude, this is not the conversation that the school shouldn't be teaching my kids about sex. Sure. And they shouldn't be teaching my or kids these things. Or in the public school, and, you, yeah. don't have a, you don't have a say on who is teaching your kids right. and their belief system. And I think as you know, believers, we want our kids to follow Jesus and we want them Mm -hmm. to understand, uh, the way of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the people that spend more time with them than we do, if we really look at the hours of a day may have a different worldview and you can't control that. So that is hard. My friend called me the other day. He texted me like urgent because he was like, did my kid learn this at school? Mm -hmm. And now what do I do? And my wife is crying and my you know what I mean? Yeah. And I like, I, I FaceTimed him. I was actually, yeah, I stepped out of what I was doing, FaceTimed him. And I was like, bro, listen, you're her dad. Yeah. She's always going to listen to you over those parent, over those teachers. Mm-hmm. You know? He's like, you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> and I kind of like, ask her these questions, you know, get to the bottom of it. But like. I think what I would say, how to protect your kids. I don't I think sometimes, you know, our, our inclination as parents is to protect and guard um, and sometimes we negate the the God-given responsibility to um, shape. Prepare. Prepare and to shape. Yeah. We're so not just protecting, we're preparing. So sometimes there's a hard conversation that we don't feel like we want to have with our kids, whether it's our own inability to have yeah, that yeah, conversation yeah. or we feel like they're not old enough yet. The reality is we live in a broken world. Yeah. And so if it's not your teacher, it's going to be your the kid next door. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. there are conversations that you need to have with your kid first. Yeah. And, and the Holy Spirit will help guide you. I mean, I remember the birds and beads conversation you had with our oldest son at seven years old, which I was like, that's too early. I don't want, you know. And then I lagged it on my next seven year old. And so the next one, we're like, okay, eight. He's a young, he's a young seven. Should have. And at his Christian school that he goes to, someone told him and we didn't get to have that first conversation with him. And so, um. I just would say whatever conversation you are dreading. It's not one conversation. It's it should not, be an open conversation. You should be able to keep talking with them about it. It's not just the birds and the bees. There's so much that's in this world that wasn't as prevalent so in our world. So be first. Talk to them before be the school first, does. So that guide way. Guide them. Tell them what God says about it. They already have a canvas. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like totally. a blank canvas with a new. You know, they already have a reference point. So they can compare, this is what the school is saying or whatever, and this is what my dad has said or my mom has said, and it kind of, they're not completely imprinted with, what, you know, you already have something there. So And honestly, I remember, I mean, we, we had this conversation when before our kids went into school. They've been in public and private, and um, I thought, and again, I grew up a long time ago, but it was important for me to be in an environment that wasn't solely Christian. felt like mm-hmm. my faith was stronger because I knew what I believed and I was able, yeah. I, I got through all of K through 12, loving Jesus, believing in Jesus. And it actually strengthened my faith. And I remember in high school, people going like, why do you have so much peace in your life? What, what's going on? And I was able to point them to Jesus. So, um, yeah. That's another great perspective. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, you know, yeah, let's go next one. We, right. Are we going more? We've, we've answered quite a lot. Uh, so this is the last one. Last How to one. pray for your husband and his alcohol and verbal disrespect problem. Wow. That's a doozy to end on. How to pray <laughs> uh, for your husband and his 
alcohol and verbal. I would pray stop. <laughs> I would pray that he would stop. Um, I would also pray that he would get some guys in his life yeah. that would give him the accountability that he needs. Guys by nature, I talk about this all the time, seem to be more independent than anybody. Yeah. They seem to, you know what guys want? They want to be the king of their own castle. Sure. That's what they want. Mm -hmm. They want to build their own house. They want to be in charge, you yeah. know? And it's just, that's, for some reason, that whatever masculine energy is there, or whatever, they just want to be the king, you know? And the problem is, is that Jesus is king. <laughs> and so when we try to be king, that really conflicts with Jesus being king. Yeah. And so we give our heart to God, and we think we've given him all of our heart. But there's actually areas of our heart that we didn't even realize we haven't given to him yet. Sure. So in theory, he has all of our heart. But if think of your heart like it's a house with a bunch of rooms in it. And you realize, oh, here's this room over here that I never gave. Oh, and then here's this other place that I can give to God. And so you're in a process of, you know, changing and, and growing. You're a work in progress. Now, this wife who's praying for her husband, her hope is that he will become like Jesus. Right. Her hope is not just that he will stop with alcohol and stop with the verbal disrespect. If he becomes like Jesus, those things will go away. Sure. Because those are symptoms of something else. Yeah. Right? So it, she's not asking for Band-Aids. She's asking for healing. Yeah. And that really, in my life, has happened at the greatest acceleration or the most, the most effective way by having other men who hold me to a standard that we've agreed to all live by. Yeah. So I've always had a group of guys that I meet with once a week that have helped me that I can kind of tell on myself to. And, you know, uh, I would pray for some good friends for him because yeah. some good godly friends, that will be a, that will accelerate that. And I think uh, you're on the right track how to pray for him. I think yeah. so many times as wives, uh, there's things that we want to make our husband do and wish they did different. And, um, Sometime us saying that over and over and over can just sound like a, I think the Bible calls it like a clanging symbol. And obviously these things seem like they're a big, a big problem and a big deal. So it's not just nagging or, but the, the Holy Spirit can whisper to him in a second what, you know, you've been trying to get through his mind. Um, and so prayer, I think you're, you're definitely on the right track. Pray. We also don't know how serious the yeah. disrespect or the alcohol problem is. Right. Because if like we were sitting down together and, and this, we were determining this was abuse, right. we might be talking to you about boundaries, but right. since we don't know how bad it is and all you're asking is how to pray, that's the only answer I can give you. Right. Here's, here's the prayers that are changed things. Yeah. That he would have some good friends in his life that would hold him accountable. Yeah. You know, because... Uh, did I cut you off? I'm no, sorry. no, no, that was that's good. Pray for her. Pray for these cards. Yeah, and let's uh let's wrap up episode DACOcho. Lord, I pray for this wife that just so sincerely needs you to intervene. Um, God, I pray that if this is unsafe, that you would just make it clear and give her next steps. Yes. Um, but we pray for her husband that he would um, become more like you and, and encounter he'd be you. Yeah. And. Uh, get some good friends around him. I pray for everyone that is trying, that is submitted a question that wants to know you more, that doesn't want things to be complicated. We pray that you reveal yourself to them, that they would know you more and we'd become more like you and be the greatest 
example of love to this world by the way we love each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.